The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European Edition. Today we're talking beating Brest, cameos in Dunkirk, come on baby at San Siro, Atleti hitting seven, Union striking again, Roma look to Romelu and other transfer news, and turning your club into Starbucks. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 29th of August. Listen, thank you so much for being with us. It's a very special day here in the uh, Totally Football Show studio because uh, got the, the boys together. Yeah. Yeah. Julian Laurent. Hello. Hello. Raphael Honigstein. Hello. Big Alvaro Romeo. Hello. And also James Horncastle. <laughs> Hello. What are the odds? Yeah. Have you four world travellers converging on this exact spot? Big Alvaro. I like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> since we've seen that Tottenham chant War Alvaro. Of Big Ange Postacogli yeah. to Angel uh, by Robbie yeah. Williams. Maybe, you know, maybe Robbie Williams uh, yeah. would do it for Alvaro yeah, as well. That started here in the Totally Football it's Show. A, it's, about, it's about time yeah. for Robbie to talk about me. But hey, which exotic places have you been uh, watching your football this, this week? Have you been anywhere, Jules? I was in Spain on holiday. Nice. Yeah, with Seamus Coleman, who is a lovely guy. And Jimmy Floyd <laughs> Hasselbank as well. What? You went together or they were just in the same resort? We, we happened to be there at the same time. So we, okay. we hung out together. It was really nice. Okay. Let's list some of the footballers you've hung out with on holidays. <laughs> Jules, are they now your bros? Yeah. Have they got bro yeah, status? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Jimmy Floyd, not so much because he arrived as we were leaving. Right. Uh, and He would have been, though. Yeah, he would have yeah. been. Obviously, we've worked with him before. And Seamus Coleman was lovely. Yeah. Uh, obviously, still recovering from his injury, but he, right. he'll be back soon. So, yeah, we had a lovely time together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's cool, you know, yeah. in the pool. I showed my touches. Although, I played yeah. football bare feet on the pitch there and I burned my foot. Oh. Yeah, all the skin under my foot is gone. So I was Damn, like, Kate, sure. my wife was like, what? why are you just, just such a kid? You're so okay. stupid. Did so. Seamus Coleman ask for a selfie? Nah, I think he was tempted. Us, like He could tell I was too busy in the pool with the right. kids and everything. You know, so Respect. Fair enough. Yeah. It was lovely. Rafa, you've been somewhere nice. Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle, Newcastle. as I say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the game was amazing. Mm. Getting back was tricky. <laughs> yeah. Getting back was tricky. All right. But I'm here now. But that's the important thing. That's the important thing. As are you, Alvaro, demonstrably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been to Cambridge, if you ask. Woo! Oh, yeah. nice. Cambridge, beautiful city. Not a football place, I guess. Well, well the academy is very good. Yeah. Really the, good academy. I always associate Cambridge with rowing, especially. Yeah. Uh, Did you hang out to... with any rowers? Uh, not that I know of. Oh. <laughs> there were some blogs <laughs> in there, but no, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. So you went to Bologna last week. Yeah. Yeah. I spent this week loitering around West London hotels. Okay. Because that's where the talks for Romelu Lukaku have nice. been taking place. Ah, big, so big rom. Big rom to big rom. Were you wearing like a trench coat and a hat? <laughs> a little trilby hat. No <laughs> <A little> card <laughs> with pressure. <on> it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was quite funny because we spooked uh, a couple of the executives. I was there with Sky Italia. Oh nice. And um when Roma's sporting director saw Sky Italia had come all the way to London and had found him, mm. uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> He's like, no, my guy, come on. Stop filming, stop filming. And then they moved from uh, doing the negotiations around where Boley and Iqbali live to South London. Okay. Uh, and then... Well, no uh, one can go there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then... 
found them there as well. And again, when they were found, it was just like, oh, come on. It's really funny. Right. So, is it happening, James? It's happened. I mean, uh, billionaires and their egos and all that, but the idea that Roma's owner, who uh, can fly, fly Spitfires own jet, yeah. and 747s, mm. is going to personally fly mm. Romelu Lukaku to Rome this evening. He's going, they're going to take off from Luton. All right. Go to Brussels to nice. pick up Lukaku, okay, and then fly from. So Brussels he's going to personally fly because I, I understand some Chelsea fans had offered to personally drive him to Rome. So <laughs> there's that option as well. You know that you yeah. know Dan Frinkin plays in Dunkirk and yeah. and and flies because one of the Spitfires because he owns movie. two Spitfires. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're both in the movie, aren't they? Yeah. So he's actually flying the Spitfire that Tom Hardy has in the movie. Yeah, he's so. It's amazing. So I, I, no, no, but amazing. wait, wait. Right. So he is on the cast list, but I've watched the scene where someone is in the Spitfire. Yeah, it's CGI. And, uh, CGI. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the thing deep is, fake. so maybe he is flying, although as you say, CGI deep yeah. fake. Yeah. But then if you look is in the you cockpit, here now? if you <laughs> if you look at the cockpit and you see the pilot with the mask, we've all seen Tom Hardy as Bane. Yeah. Okay. You can still recognize him. Yeah, that's true. And so I still think it's Tom Hardy in the cockpit. Right. Maybe. But, you know. but maybe um, Friedkin was actually really flying it and then they just put CGI Tom Hardy as if it yeah. was him. I don't know. But that's still remarkable that he's associated to that movie. It certainly is. Yeah. Quite a movie. Tarantino says it's the best Nolan film. Or maybe the best film of the last 20 years, maybe. Okay, both big shouts. Big shouts. What's yeah. your best Nolan film, Avro? <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you, Rafa. My Nolan of the Batman, Week yeah. is which one? The first one. The first one, yeah. Right, interesting. Yeah, I would, I would say that's up there. Inception. Inception, yeah. though. Hard to look past Inception. So many layers, Rafa. For me, anyway. Jules. Dunkirk for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. I like Dunkirk Perfect. too. Is it because Harry Styles is actually in it? In it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Worst one. Everyone says Tenet. <laughs> I mean, we still don't. <laughs> I might to see anyway. it again. Huh? I might see it again. Well, Tenet, yeah. but backwards, backwards this time. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. So all the backward scenes would be forward. Maybe that's what he always intended. <laughs> it's Memento, he is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Memento yeah, has to film. be there. Biglietto di visita, to borrow yeah. James's expression. <laughs> yes. I'm going to mess with all time and memory. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, uh, did we do a moment of the weekend? Not so much. No, we did a Nolan of the weekend. We did, we yeah. did. All right. Uh, Jules, let's begin with your moment of the weekend. I think I picked the end of the PSG Lens game when uh, Warren Zairemri, on his own, went to salute the, um, the PSG Ultras at the Parc des Princes. 17 and 5 months, and he had an incredible game. And it's just, I'm sure Lamine Yamal will feature with Alvaro a lot on the show. And he's even younger than Zairemri, but... Such a talent at that age is so rare that it's amazing to see. And Luis Enrique loves him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he make the front squad for the Euro 2024 even. All because right. he's that good. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about him. What kind of player is he? He's a uh, number eight, if you want. He could play in different positions in midfield. His dad used to be a coach in the Paris area. He used to be, be a really decent player. Uh, and then coached. And then Zaire Emery got to PSG when he was really young and went through the ranks. But he was always playing a year above or two years above. He always had that kind of maturity. And now Luis Enrique has made him a, a starter. And him, Ugarte and Vitinha were outstanding on Saturday night. And he was maybe the best of the three at 17 and five months. So it's wow. really, really remarkable at that kind of age. Could be hanging out with you on holiday soon if he plays his card, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know. <laughs> Let's see. Rafa. 
James, my moment of the week happened. <laughs> <laughs> happened in Gladbach. Ooh. Of course. Mm. Has to be Gladbach. Right. Why? Because both Granit Xhaka and Jonas Hoffmann came back and absolutely killed Gladbach with Leverkusen. But the moment itself was a little presentation for Jonas Hoffmann, who played 214 games for Gladbach before going to Leverkusen. And there'd be some harsh words when he left, quite late, quite surprisingly. But they still did the decent thing and gave him a little presentation, which didn't go down too well with all of the crowd. But he smiled, he picked it up, and then he proceeded to absolutely wipe the floor with his former teammates as Leverkusen ran out 3-0. Right. Big, big performance from Xabi Alonso's man. There you go. We'll hear more about that, no doubt. Alvaro! Well, uh, my moment of the weekend is uh, Atletico's win, uh, 7-0 away at Rayo Vallecano. Lo que está pasando en Vallecas ya es escandaloso. Rayo Vallecano 0, Atlético de Madrid 7. Escuchan bien, Atlético de Madrid 7. It has been a really good uh, weekend in La Liga. Uh, time to brag about how many goals have been scored, because normally there are not so many. Uh, Five at Los Carmenes, six at Samames, seven at La Ceramica, and seven at Rayo Vallecano Ground, uh, scored by the same team, all of them, and this is the biggest win by Atlético de Madrid away from home in the league in all their history. So congratulations to them. It was a very impressive display. Certainly sounds it. James Hongrasso. It has to be the ambition of one Roberto Mancini, James, to mm. bring Saudi Arabia their first Asian Cup in 27 years. I particularly appreciated <laughs> the video, um, high production values, oh, maybe made by Christopher yeah. Nolan, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I made a history in Europe. Now it's time to make a history with Saudi. To see him picking out that sort of, what is it, like a lime green tie. Well, the tie actually looked like your chinos after you tried to <laughs> eat an ice cream in Bologna. <laughs> That's true. <What? laughs> they did. Yeah. yeah, very pistachio, pistachio. Yeah. 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 And the, uh, he had a little espressino, didn't he, as well? He did. Yeah. Which, you know, I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, what timing. I mean, remarkably, because he, he quit uh, the Italy job, abandoned them, essentially, in the words of the Gazetta. Yeah. Just quite looking for a job for a long time. it's not yeah. about Saudi Arabia. No, no, it's it's because of the staffing issues. Personal there. reasons. Yeah. And they yeah. contacted him after that happened. That's really nice. Amazing, yeah. Only in mid-August. Uh, did the Saudis come yeah. forward with a I proposal? Really what was Gazetta's line? Draw Italy at some competition <laughs> what was Gazetta's line? 30 million personal reasons. So you can watch him here. New in well, mm. I say here, but Newcastle next. Uh, yeah, I'm next supposed month. to be going. Oh, yeah, right. against Jurgen Klinsmann, South Korea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't wait. What a game! Right. Will no, you be going, right? I'm supposed no, to be I'll going. No, I'll be in Stockholm for Sweden, Austria that night. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course, Sweden, Austria. Marko Arnautovic fan, Raphael Honigstein. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, sounds like there's plenty to talk about in today's show. Let's kick off in France. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Jules, what's happening there? 
Well, PSG got a really good win. A for win? Once. They got eight wins. Yeah, eight wins, you're yeah. right. The first one of the season. Uh, but maybe the, the best thing about it was the way they played. As a team, finally, um, they were very good in midfield. We mentioned Zaire Emery, obviously the youngster, but Ugarte was great. Vitinha was even was even better than anything we've seen before. He, they, they had a sort of a hybrid system that Luis Enrique put together that looks really good and they seem to actually be playing for each other for once. So they will be tougher games, although Lance were good and stayed in the game for a while. Mm. Lance, the but team who were, were only one point behind them at the end of last season. Yeah, that's right. And we're competing for them uh, for the title until the end. And, and to be fair, Mbappé, Dembele were really good. Marco Asensio scored a really good goal. That first goal was, was quite outstanding collectively. So... There was a lot of positives that we need, for example, confirmation on Sunday away at Lyon, which is another big game for them. Even if Lyon have been terrible so far, it's still a big, big, two big clubs facing each other. But Luis Enrique was super happy. He loved Ugarte. I mean, the, the love for Ugarte is big. The love for, for, for Zaire Emery is big. And Mbappe is scoring again. So when, when they're playing like that, they look, they look really good. Magnificent. Is Mbappe going to be joined by Randall Kolomuani this week. So that's the uh, the negotiations are going on there. I think Akitike has a big role to play because PSG would not pay what Frankfurt wants. However, if you put Akitike in the mix, then Frankfurt will obviously accept some money with him. Uh, but you could you could probably go go around it like this. And Akitike is still not sure if he wants to go to Germany or if he prefers going to England where he's got a few clubs interested like West Ham, for example. But... Right now in Paris, they're quite confident that they can have a package with a Kitiki and let's say 40, 45 million euros. And that would be enough to convince Frankfurt who are quite keen on a Kitiki to bring Colomwani in. The, the thing with Colomwani, which is really interesting, is that PSG signed Gonzalo Ramos for 70 million. He was a Luis Campos signing. Colomwani is very much a Nasser Al Khalifi signing. So in the end, I mean, one would be on the bench. So you will either have a 70 or 80 million pound player on the bench which I find crazy just because of the the war of influence that those two have mm. in the recruitment which again is quite mad why don't they just bin off this consultant called Luis Campos you know I mean if I NASA know. wants to do everything himself then just what do you need this guy for and what do you what do you give him a three-year deal last last summer mm. so he still has two more years I guess and why did you think he was the right guy and now you're not so sure he's the right guy maybe because He's dealing too much with Uncle George, which I can understand. And that was not the idea at the beginning. And George Mendes is getting more and more and more important in that club, which I think Nassal Khalifi doesn't really want. But it's weird that you appoint a sporting director and then a year, a year on, you think, hmm, actually, I don't like what he's doing, so let me do it myself. And then you both buy players in the same position for a lot of money that will compete with each other. It's right. just, and, I don't think there's any other club like that. Like he's got two jobs, no? Because he also works for Celta, which yeah. is really incompatible, I think. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to focus on one side, no? Isn't it, uh, I don't know, enough work to do, yeah. working for PSG? It's like his company is contracted by Celta Vigo and PSG. Not really him, that's how he gets away with it, but it's still strange. Couldn't they play with Colomoni on the right and Ramos through the middle? And then Dembele has to be on the bench then. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's good to have mm -hmm. depth and people. Long season, Champions it's just, League. It's just expensive. Yeah to have two number nines and only one can play. Yeah. Right. From Frankfurt's perspective, the problem is, is twofold. One, Eketike uh, is really expensive in terms of wages. They can't pay 7 million euros to a guy in wages. 7 million? Yeah. Whoa. 
Paris would have to pick up a massive chunk of that, which I'm sure they'd be reluctant to yeah. because it's no longer their player. And the other thing is the valuation because Frankfurt have always said we want 100 million euros for Colomouni. So if if PSG value Eketike at 40 million euros or 35, mm. that is still... <laughs> That still doesn't get you to the 100 million. That, that's, right. that's true. And that's with a very high valuation that Frankfurt on the open market would never pay yeah. for a player like this. So I think there's still a massive gap. Well, Frankfurt right. signed him for free, no? He was a Bosman. Yeah. 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 Okay, on field, meanwhile, Monaco, who'd had that terrific start, finally dropped some points. Uh, they went 2-0 down away at Nantes. Came back a bit, then went 3-1 down, but came back to draw 3-3. Quite a thrill of that. And Minamino scoring again. Yeah, scoring again. And they were really good. Adi Hutter was really happy, even if the referee was was terrible and they should have had a penalty and and not concede the second goal on the counter after that foul. And Flo Balogun is arriving, which I think is... Easy. Is, yeah, it's huge for them. They also needed another number nine. And Boadu hasn't really been as good as they thought he would be when they signed him. Uh, from from Alkmaar, so Mbolo's big injury meant they needed somebody else, and I think they have a lot of faith in Balogun. When when you pay 40, 45 million euros, it's because you have a lot of faith in the player. But obviously, he knows the league from the season he had at Reims, and Arsenal wanted to to let him go. So this one is is a really interesting one to see. Very nice, uh, Jules. Uh, Top Burley was at Strasbourg's win over Toulouse on Sunday. The home fans greeting him with a, a banner saying Non à la multipropriété. <laughs> yeah, they're not happy in Strasbourg. I, I think I, I can understand. What's the setup there with Strasbourg and its relation to Chelsea? They're owned by Chelsea. Yeah. Just the whole outright. Yeah, it yeah, allows completely. them to move Brazilian and young French players to yeah. that club. Well, I mean, particularly Brazilians who maybe still can't get a work permit in the UK can That's go and right. play there. Yeah. And then... So you see Chelsea like hoovering up all these young yeah. Brazilians and you know some can't play for Chelsea at this moment so they'll end up being parked at Strasbourg and come to Chelsea and might never even play for for Strasbourg. Mm. I think it but are they the new Vitesse then is that their role in this? I think Chelsea want well I mean we've seen them be linked with Santos. Yeah. I think they they want to add lots of clubs in the right. same way that City have Triple Seven have the loads of yeah, you know, even PSG have a share yeah, of Braga. Braga. Yeah, Lyon and John have Botafogo and the days of the the one club player over. Are the days of the one <laughs> club owner similarly threatened? Do you think? Are we maybe in but five also, years will there be like seven conglomerates to basically battle across the globe? Yeah, I mean, there's also, I mean, the Red Bull Group is making it work. But even City, the, the idea is obviously that you put, <laughs> that you put, you rapper, you know that you yeah. you can have some youngsters playing for Strasbourg and Ligue 1, and then if they're good enough, they go to Chelsea. That kind of stuff. Mm. It's not always. It doesn't always work like that. And there's right. a lot of multi-club ownership that is not actually working you, that you way. You mentioned Leon, John Tex, so with uh, he's struggling, yeah. struggling, yeah, he's struggling so, everywhere. At Botafogo, at Lyon, in right. Belgium. <clears throat> Did they take Laurent Blanc's advice and find a new coach? Not yet. But they got a win at the weekend, huh? No, a draw nil nil. Oh, one of the worst game of the weekend. Oh. No leagues com- together. It was it was terrible. It was oh. really bad. I, it's two hours of my life that I would never get back, which makes me really annoyed. Did you watch it with Seamus Coleman? No, because I got back by then. Uh, especially for the game. Especially for that, you know, I could not miss Nice Lyon, and it was terrible. And Lyon was so bad. But they didn't lose at least, so they oh, got no. points. Okay. Was happy, nice. But they play PSG this weekend, so if they get hammered. I think he might go after that. Do you share, and do people in France generally share 
the Strasbourg's fans' unhappiness at, at being part of a, a Chelsea system. Yeah, there's a bit of that. It's just, it almost feels, so City did it with Troyes. Troyes, a small club, they went straight back down. They have fans, they're good fans, but Strasbourg are a huge club, historical club, and almost too big to be owned by another club, if you see what I mean. Mm. I don't know if I explained it well, but mm. I, can, I think you can do it with any club, but, but Strasbourg are, are really big. And I think their fans feel like it's a bit um, insulting in a way to be owned and have told Burley, who knows nothing about Strasbourg, French football, the players that he was watching had no idea. I mean, he doesn't even know anything about his own Chelsea players, let mm. alone the Strasbourg ones. So they, they, yeah, they just, I don't think they're too happy to be used by Chelsea in the way they are. Saying, like, listen, we signed Juan Castellino from Santos. Here you go. We don't, know, we don't know if he's any good. But you have him because we impose him. We impose him to you, basically, and that's not going down well. But they, this is the best start of the season in 24 years. So in a way, the money that Chelsea made available to buy Silla in Belgium, for example, at 20 million, they would not have been able to do it without that money. Right. So in a way, but if they didn't have Chelsea as an owner, they might have another owner who would make that money available without. Not that much, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we we'll see. I mean, again, it's time. Time will tell. If they have a good season, I think they will be happier. If it's a terrible season and Bowley and gets too involved, then they're going to hate even more. I, I'm often surprised when I read about one club in one country being actually just part of another group elsewhere. Because a lot of this kind of happens without people realising. This is kind of creeping. Insidious. It's insidious. Nine of the Premier League sides are part of a multi-club ownership programme. Is it? Is it a similar G number in well, Spain? We have well? Girona, for example, which belongs to Manchester City. Right. And probably uh, this is one of my favourite examples because in Spain... I think that uh, there, is, there are not enough conversations about this because obviously, in a way, Girona has, I'm going to phrase this, but I don't want to offend anybody, sh have sold their soul in a way. Because now, for example, they rely a lot on, I guess, Manchester City's style and the way they want to play and they implement that in Girona somehow. Because Girona are appointing attacking-minded managers because they are uh, employing some players that could belong to Manchester City in the future. And yeah, this is part of it. But I'm surprised that it's not part of the conversation. It's a bit like when you go to, I don't know, an airport in Spain and there's a WH Smith there or a boot. <laughs> I feel we're what? just going to end up. But no, to yeah, be yeah. fair, it doesn't like sound like the doesn't Europe. sound like the worst fate in the world. You know, appointing attacking managers, playing a Man City style with right. good technical players. No, it doesn't. But uh, what is the uh, what is the room for independence on a, you know? on a street in Girona? Then you, oh, I can get my frappuccino. Uh, but you're losing something, Rafa. Yeah. Well, you know what? I went to uh, tell you my Bari Starbucks story another time. No, no, no you went example, to Starbucks in Bari. I didn't. Because it's but, so hard to but, find but, coffee. But, Starbucks opened in Bari the day I was there. Wow. And there was a the queue of, yeah. of about a thousand people. Right. Yeah, yeah. All Italians. Yeah. Wanted to try out the magical Starbucks. It's the end wow. of Italy. It's, it's, it's the same thing where like, wow. there's this fetishization so of anything that's American. So like you go so to McDonald's. So for example, like for a long time, Starbucks could not penetrate the Italian market. Right. Because as James says, you know, it's not hard to find good coffee mm. uh, in in every corner of Italy. Yeah. And so, like, I think the first Starbucks in Italy was in Milan. And if you've ever been to this Starbucks, it's like going into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory yeah. because they have to make it like an experience where you're like, this is so over the top where you can see like, you know, sort of coffee being roasted. There's like these big slides of coffee beans just falling down everywhere. It's, uh, and you, you kind of think, wow, this is just unbelievable. This is what, this is how they drink coffee in America. <laughs> 
<laughs> instead of my my bar down the road where there's like coffee stained gazetteville sports everywhere wow this is this is amazing we will queue for this <laughs> um it's a sad state of affairs yeah. oh. you know and it's it's part of globalization as these you know sort of multi-club groups are which yeah. are all about private equity spreading risk risk around mm. and scaling things but strasbourg is probably the biggest club with palermo owned by another club mm. In Europe, I mean, I'm not counting the Brazilian clubs. It's a bit different. But the, the Brazilian ones as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, but it's a way of... It's the only thing that money. would stop it, do you think, if there was a bit of a, a, a bursting of football's bubble because that's what's driving, I guess, all this investment. This. I, mean, I think nothing will stop people from watching football or anything like that. or Nothing yeah. will stop me from watching football. But the truth is that I wonder, again, how much independence a club like Girona or the ones that we have mentioned before have to proceed and to do something different or to do what they want. Uh, Pera Guardiola, the brother of Pep Guardiola, well, it's one of the most important figures in Girona. Obviously, the link is over there, the straight connection. So, you know, that's the thing. But uh, it's in a, re a new reality, a new landscape, and uh, there are very, very few clubs actually who are going to stay aloof from this. Probably the ones owned by, or not owned, but the ones who had a lot of representation from the season ticket holders at Athletic Club Bilbao, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Mm. You know, these ones actually are the only ones that I can remember, apart from the Bundesliga 51-49, that actually have still a certain level of independence and they listen to the fans. Mm. Anyway, what were we talking about? French football? Anything yeah, else, Charles? Yeah. yeah, Marseille at top of the table as well after they, they won against Brest, but they were lucky. Paolo Lopez was amazing. Right. Saved them. Paolo Lopez? Paolo Lopez. One of the worst goalkeepers and in Rome Joaquin history. Correa yeah, okay. is arriving from nice. Lazio and Matteo Ganduzzi is going the other way. Yeah. Not sure if he will save Lazio after the terrible start of the season, but... Sorry, sorry was like... He's different from every other player that we've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Sari Ganduzi working together could be fun. Mm. And, and yeah, and we saw some really lovely goals as well. Reims winning 3-1 at Montpellier with Teddy Thomas, the uh, multi-international. Um, we saw Union Saint-Gilloise. Remember, he was the mm. Union Saint-Gilloise captain last season. Two wonder goals. Brighton's club. Brighton, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> Uh, that was lovely. So, uh, yeah, a really good weekend in Liga. Just very quickly, uh, this question doesn't come a week late, even though it sounds like, because 10 days ago, Olympique Marseille was uh, kicked out from the Champions League. Yeah. But at the same time, they are topping the table, as you said. So what is the overall perception of Marcelino in this month? It's still, the jury is out, really. They lost to Panathinaikos on penalties. Uh -huh. I think they were unlucky. They had so many chances to win the second leg and go through. And now they've been in the Europa League. It's just, I think, to get used to the 4-4-2, because not many, not many teams play like that anymore, it's a bit, it's quite interesting. And they were not very good on, at the weekend, but they won because Paolo Lopez was really good. When you've got Bame Young leading the line, it's not the same. You've got Alexis Sanchez, who had a little go at Marseille because he said he wanted to come back, but, but then in the end, the club didn't want him back. So it's been interesting, even for Marcelino, because he arrived quite late. The precision was shortened because of the Champions League uh, qualifier round. So we, we need to wait a bit, but the, the first classic is arriving very soon, so we will know in the next few weeks how good they can be. Excellent. Let's uh, turn our thoughts to La Liga next. Hello, listeners. If you're someone who is just too busy for a regular length podcast in the morning, we have something for you. The Daily Football Briefing brings you bang up to date with the biggest football stories in just over 10 minutes. Whether it's David Ornstein on the latest big signing or Matt Slater on a takeover saga that won't go away, we'll bring you right up to speed all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all the usual platforms 
and make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. However, all sorts of drama this weekend in La Liga, as you mentioned, that 4-3 game at the Ceramica. But uh, tell us about Atletico Madrid. I think that Atletico can be a candidate to win La Liga. But uh, for that to happen, they will have to use their squad as much as they can. I believe that, for example, Real Madrid and Barcelona, they've got bigger stars, and the stars can make the difference for them. Jude Bellingham, uh, Robert Lewandowski, when he picks up, he's scoring form again. Uh, Atletico is more of a, we know that, uh, a joint effort. But uh, if you check their squad, it's really competitive. They've got pretty much, with the exception of uh, a couple of players like Riquelme, for example, and... I don't know who else, uh, maybe, yeah, I would say Riquelme, uh, the 24 of them, and yeah, and exe- with the exception as well of the second choice goalkeeper, they've got the chance to play, and they are really competitive. And the exception of Jean-Felix as well, presumably, no? Presumably, yeah, let's see what happens with him, obviously, okay. because there are still some days for him to depart, even though there haven't been any suitors or any candidates that we know of. Barcelona seem to be interested in him, but I don't know how they can actually uh, fit him in the squad uh, from the financial point of view. So yeah, uh, Joe Felix probably is the only dark point yeah, in Atletico right now, but they are keeping the competitiveness of the second half of last season. Mm. Uh, the defense is working very well. Mm. And uh, I would like to single out a couple of important players too, because Saul, back in 2018, even in 2019, uh, looked like the best prospect in Spanish football, uh, at least in the midfield department. Uh, Luis Enrique, at the beginning, when he took over the Spanish national side, loved Saul. Saul was playing every game for Spain. And, uh, you know, he was a very, very uh, pivotal midfielder for Atletico. Then uh, he started playing worse. He went to Chelsea. That didn't work. He came back to Atletico. He worked, uh, he was playing on the left as a left back. You know, Saul was a mess a year ago, but yesterday he played very well uh, and uh, playing as a midfielder as well, the position he likes. So he can be one of these players that he has been resuscitated for Atletico. And um, I think Jano Black has been fantastic as well, and Alvaro Morata as well. When he's getting the chances, he's scoring them. So it's a joint effort, but it's working so far for Atletico. I think that they can be the candidates uh, or one of the candidates to be fighting for the title, for the title in April. Morata with a brace, six different scorers in that 7-0 yeah. win. As you say, this is a run of form that's been going on since the latter part of last season and really yeah. f- flies in the face of our conventional notions about Diego Simeone and certainly the perception of him of, as reaching the end of his time at Atletico. Let's see about that anyway, because, you know, five years ago, maybe we would have had this conversation about... Simeone's, uh, you know, departure or maybe the end of an era. But, he's but the always... fact that he was so wedded to what seemed like a really grim, pragmatic defensive style, and now, yeah. uh, for some time, his team have been scoring so many goals. What's been the what's been behind this kind of Damascene conversion? Well, I, I think Rayo Vallecano was awful. We have to say that okay. if you if you check the the highlights uh, closely, you will see that Aridane, for example, was a disaster. One of the defenders of Rayo, uh, basically in four pictures of Atletico's goals, he was there involved in a bad way. Uh, then they were playing 
with a high defense, even losing 5-0. And I know that uh, probably they wanted to score a goal and they, they wanted to please the fans. But at some point, you have to be a little bit more pragmatic. And the last goals of Atletico Madrid, the last three goals, they were counter-attacks. Uh, so I think that uh, Rayo definitely helped Atletico. Uh, I will say that the defense of Atletico is still very good uh, with the new additions plus what they had. And if they manage to limit the injuries, I think that they are going to be very competitive defensively again. So I really want to see what Atletico is about this season, what they are capable of. Last season, they didn't make it through the group stage in the Champions League. And that explained the great results they got in the second half of the season domestically. I think that this season most likely they will go through the Champions League group stage again uh, because they are in the second pot, uh, which, you know, could give them a favorable draw. And then let's see. But uh, as I said before, if they use their squad well, and so far no player is complaining apart from Joe Felix, everyone seems to be involved. Atletico is going to be a tough nut to crack. Very good. After three games, they are a second uh, level with Girona and Barcelona, two points behind Real Madrid, who won again at the weekend, Jude Bellingham. <laughs> Uh, becoming the first player since Cristiano Ronaldo back in 2009 to score in each of his first three games for Real. This was one the the winner at uh, Celta Vigo on, on Friday night. Uh, tell us, though, about what Barcelona got up to away at Villarreal. It was a crazy, crazy game. Um, so they go 2-0 up. Then it was 3-2. And then 3-2 to Villarreal. What yeah. happened there? And then they come back and with two goals of their own to make it 4-3. Well, it was... It was again that uh, probably the most uh, pure tacticians in Italian football in the 80s and the 90s they would have hated with all their mm. all their soul because uh, it made no sense whatsoever. Kike uh, Setien, to put it simply, uh, his strategy was right the opposite of Pepe Bordalas's strategy two weeks ago with Getafe. It was again that flew a lot, a game in which uh, all the attacking individualities had the time and uh, the conditions to sign. And among all of them, there was a player who is 16 years old, Lamin Yamal, who again started for Barcelona, who set up at least a couple of goals, uh, definitely one to Gabi, and then he was a, a participant in some of Barcelona's goals as well, with the assist or the pre-assist. And there was a very good thing uh, for Barcelona looking at, her at, at the future. The goal of Gabi was set up with, uh, by a boy who was born in 2007 and scored by a boy who was born in 2004. Look, Barcelona's academy... Uh, not because Barcelona really wants to do this, but because Barcelona has some financial constraints. Uh, they are producing some players and Barcelona is using them mm. because they cannot sign stars, for example, to, um, you know, to, to, to replace uh, Ousmane Dembélé. So Ousmane Dembélé is gone, Barcelona doesn't have the money to bring another player of that quality. Lamin Yamal plays because Rafinha is injured. No, sorry, Rafinha is suspended. And, you know, he's, uh, he's running the show right now. Well, you were, you were talking about him and the special light, as yeah. you put it last week, that... But shining over him at the moment, the Spanish press declaring him the absolute star of this game. It's very good. Mm. That's the thing that, uh, you know... 16 he, years of age. 16 years of age. He, started, he played for Barcelona a game last season when he was still 15. He's very fast. He dribbles past easily. I think that his crossing to the second post is fantastic. In fact, we saw it in Gabi's goal, but in many other passes he gave. His shot is quite strong as well, quite violent because he crashed it uh, into the post in the game. And uh, believe me, his shoot is uh, really good with both the left and the right foot, even though he's left-footed. And uh, his way of uh, running with the ball is quite peculiar, I would say. because It's the new he, Messi. No, uh, I wouldn't Maybe. say that. But he, he looks like he's going to lose the ball when he runs with it mm. because he sends it long sometimes. So sometimes he uh, 
puts himself very far away from the ball he's carrying, but he's always getting there. He's always getting to the ball. It's very peculiar to see him run. I recommend everyone at least to have a look to this player because he looks special. And he's not the only special player that has come out from La Masia lately. Gabi is one of them, less special in my opinion. And Ansu Fati, four years ago, was mm. one of them. Ansu had endless injuries. His career is a little bit in a tricky moment. But Lamin Jamal really looks like the big deal, obviously, Time will tell, but the, the fact that he was the best player in a player with Lewandowski, with Gerard Moreno, with uh, Gabi, with uh, Frankie de Jong tells you a lot. Lamine Yamal, who's he declared for in terms of national teams? Well, he's playing uh, in the Spain under uh, 17. He has been. Believe. He yeah. has been there, yeah, mm. I believe, I believe, yeah. Uh, his mom is from Equatorial Guinea. Okay. And his dad is Moroccan, mm. but he was born um, in Catalonia. So you, mm. I think that he should be playing for Spain, yes. Okay. And Spain will be definitely very quick uh, to pick him. Even though Rubiales Spain priority at the moment. <laughs> Which one? Rubiales is priority. I, I was going to say, even though Stop. Spain right now is a, yeah. is a mess, and Luis de la Fuente oh, yeah. is going to... The man who was clapping Rubiales last Friday mm. uh, after Rubiales' uh, uh, stupid rant, um, Luis de la Fuente will probably ponder uh, giving him a cup. I see. Yeah. Uh, the, the Rubiales uh, storm rolls on. Uh, he's still president as we record this. Yeah. The big development in, in the last day or two, the fact that his mother has now locked herself in a church on hunger strike. Yeah. Um, obviously that uh, will have a certain pressure. Who had that on their bingo card? <laughs> no one, no one. It's like, uh, you know, when you watch this series and you think, oh yeah, I think that Netflix got too far with the script. This <laughs> yeah. is not believable. Something like that. Well, it happened. Fiction was uh, uh, never as strong as, uh, as facts, you know. But I think that what happened last week uh, was uh, really bad. A damning uh, moment for Spanish football because Rubiales came before the assembly, which uh, has 140 representatives on paper, mm. of which only 70 were present, which is ridiculous because this is one of the most critical moments of Spanish football. And 70 people from the assembly, or 60 or 65, were on holiday or didn't attend. Right. They should have. And of the people who were there, pretty much all of them applauded wildly when he said, yeah. I'm not resigning. He said he was not resigning. He explained in his own way, very sui generis, what happened with the uh, Jenny Hermoso, he said basically, <laughs> great World Cup, can I give you a little kiss? And uh, Jenny apparently said yes, and then he yeah. did it. You know, why, the, why is the president doing that? Why is the president uh, grabbing his balls oh, after I, winning I, a World yeah, Cup? I mean, I, I'm sure, listen, you've probably seen a breakdown of, of what happened uh, post the World Cup final and uh, the comments afterwards and the FA's statement accusing Hermoso of, of being a liar. Um, but one thing I was curious about all of this, has it begun to emerge... There's been a lot of videos of older stuff that's happened to members of the women's football team. Has it begun to emerge what the, the issues were that led the 15 a year ago to say they wouldn't play anymore under the current regime, manager and, and, and federation? Because it seems like there's a lot of really serious stuff that, that's there that just hasn't come out yet. Even before the previous yeah. coach as well, even the one before yeah. Bill, that the, was some time. There's, a, there's that film, I don't yeah. know, you've yeah. seen of him. The, the previous coach was, uh, had the, some ridiculous gestures and really uh, unacceptable. And uh, I believe that this time is for real, really. If that's mm. the, 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 the motto of the, of, the, of the subject, the, this time is for real. There was a demonstration yesterday in Madrid in uh, Callao Square against Rubiales. Uh, the vice president of Spain and many authorities, finally, they condemned what happened. And I am a little bit uh, disappointed with the reaction of Spanish football because it came too late, in my opinion. Uh, it wasn't until Friday when Borja Iglesias, who was the first player, condemned this and he said that he's not going to play for Spain uh, right. until further notice. 
Borja Iglesias is still 30, 31. He could play for Spain. He's been there many times. And, you know, after that, little by little, some other um, football personalities also joined this. But it took a little bit of time to Spanish football. Barcelona and Real Madrid statements regarding the Spanish FA, they have been, in my opinion, a little bit mild if you compare them with Osasunas, with Sevillas. But yeah, uh, if uh, finally we managed to, number one, um, ventilate a little bit this uh, macho, let's put it, environment that we have in the Spanish FA. And number two, if Rubiales finally leaves, well, this is going uh, to be a positive outcome. Even though Rubiales doesn't seem to want to resign, uh, the whole assembly of the Spanish FA has asked him to leave on Tuesday, but uh, Rubiales has been uh, suspended by FIFA. But uh, Rubi, Rubiales hasn't resigned. He didn't resign on Friday, and uh, in 90 days on paper, he should come back to his job. And he put his mates, Rocha, as his number two, as, as his like, uh, replacement for now. Oh, yeah. and he's clearly a mate of uh, Alexander Seferin as well. Of course. Vice president, because he's vice president of UEFA. Yeah. And UEFA don't seem to be at all bothered by any That's of this. That's right, um, So, you know... Uh, Good old Seferin. Uh, I felt we, we kind of brushed over this very quickly, mm. legitimately given the, the following the conversation. But Rubiales' mom, she's, is she still in the church? Is, has she had yeah. any? Last I saw the, the doctors and, and uh, people have gone in to try. and. Yeah. But yeah, she's on hunger strike okay. uh, against the kind of witch hunt against her son. I'm, I'm paraphrasing her motivation, but I think that's... Some strong comments she had. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can see where Rubiales is coming from anyway. Uh, right, right now, Rubiales has been always very temperamental as well. Uh, I don't know about his mom and how long she's going to be in church. I don't know if they are going to feed her there or not. I really don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I wish the best for her. But, uh, you know, some of the things that Rubiales said on Friday reminded me of, uh, you know, Chris Finch in The Office. Uh, you know that character? Uh, very familiar. With yeah, very yeah. familiar. Yeah. A very funny one, Finchy. Uh, and he was saying something <laughs> like... <laughs> And how can I, I hate women if my mom is one of them? There so Rubiales was saying things like this. Well, yeah. 20 years after the office, in <laughs> Spain, we have a character like Chris Finch, who is basically embarrassing the whole country. <laughs> well, very nicely done, Alvaro. Seems like a day of reckoning anyway, on the way for certain types in the Spanish game. And let's not say they don't exist elsewhere as well. Anyway, let's move on next. Bit of transfer talk and Syria. The Premier League is back and the Athletic Football Podcast is your essential football companion this season. Whether it's dissecting Chelsea's astronomical spending, assessing Spurs in a post-Harry Kane era, or the growing impact of Saudi Arabia's riches, we'll be there four days a week this season as we get to the heart of the biggest stories. Join me, Ayo Akinwalere, and the Athletics' esteemed roster of writers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the usual podcast spaces. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Thursday evening in Monaco, it's the Champions League draw, group stage draw. And uh, you mentioned Atletico Madrid are in pot two, so Real Madrid. Real Madrid are in pot yeah. two, yes. And Vinicius. Although if you draw them, you might get a slightly easier time of it in the opening games. Yes, because Vinicius won't be probably featured in the first game. Okay. Who knows about the second one? Uh, yeah, because he picked uh, an injury um, in the game against Celta, and it's the first muscular injury of his career that has been recorded. Because Vinicius, do you remember last season, two seasons ago, he was playing everything all the time, 90 mm-hmm. minutes, full gas. Well, this time he was unlucky and he's going to be out for about six weeks. Six weeks? Yeah. Wow, okay. Alrighty. Uh, Jules, you and I will be giving our thoughts on the exactly. draw on TNT Sports. That's right. Remember, it's not just sports, it's it's everything. It's everything. Everything. Indeed, yeah. and, uh, and in this case, the Champions League draw, uh, group stage draw, that'll be Thursday evening. Yeah, from 4.45 Is to right? 6.45. We're on there for two hours with Jordan Lesko, yeah, your and, friend, and, and Owen Hargreaves. Hargreaves. Also right. my friend. Also your friend. <laughs> also my friend. <laughs> it's a big football family. Indeed. The day after that, it's the end of the transfer window. It is, James. Any big moves that we should be... Keeping an eye on in the next few days. Well, mm. as we record, yeah, Inter have this deadline with uh, Benjamin Pavard, two o'clock. So, you know, come on, Bayern, let him go. I mean, he wants to go. They say in Bavaria the clock runs differently, so I don't know how how firm that that deadline is. Yeah, Bayern would let him go. They have had a deal in place with Inter now for well over a week, I think but on the condition of bringing somebody else in. So they'll try very hard today to bring somebody else in who can play both centre-back and right-back. Like Kalulu? Like him? He's not I even playing. You're shaking your head. He's not they even like in the him. starting they line. Like I think Chalobah is probably a more realistic Big option at this point. But yeah, yeah, he's a name that they talked about. Okay, Nico Gonzalez. No. Are Brentford going to be back in for him? Well, they raised their offer by 10 million. Uh, astonishing to see a club of Brentford size, but this is Premier League economics bid 42 million for a player. Uh, Fiorentina do not want to lose the player and don't have to sell the player. So never say never. I think the one to watch with Fiorentina is Amrabat mm. Mm. Um, because he's been frozen out of the squad because he wants to move. He said that he wants to go to a quote unquote big club. But, but have there been any offers? There's been very little interest. It's, it's weird, um, isn't it? And there actually hasn't been a club-to-club offer. There's mm. been agents saying, "I, working on behalf of this club, they're interested." But that interest has never 
uh, actually materialised materialised into an offer. Is the suggestion that he just had a good World Cup? Well, he didn't just have a good World Cup. He had um, he was part of a team which went to two finals: Coppa Italia final and Conference League final, and was. Well, Fiorentina regard him as, I mean, it's one thing for Fiorentina regard him as the best number six in, uh, in Serie A, but in a market where players in his position have gone for a hell of a lot of money, uh, and maybe all these clubs that might have been interested in him have already blown money on players like, I don't know, a Declan Rice, a Moise Caicedo, or something mm. like that, then he's just not a priority. Um, but, yeah, Fiorentina feel like they're in a strong position. I mean, if someone comes in with, 35 million between now and the end of the transfer window they'll they'll pick up the phone to Sofia and say get on a plane you're gone and then hang up <laughs> so I mean the one the one I'm the most baffled about for Rafa is the Gravenberge Scott McTominay swap because <laughs> that is just woohoo it's very PlayStation like no like uh, very random Gravenberg does want to go if the deal can be done because he's only number four and Tuchel is not a big fan and he feels that a little bit. But Bayern still believe in the player. Mm. Very reluctant to let him go. And um, they only have four central midfielders. So it's not as if they have like loads and loads of players. Lima's quite injury prone. Goretzka's quite injury prone. So they, they kind of need him even if Tuchel doesn't want him. And Scott McTominay is many things, but he's not a holding midfielder. Mm. In the Tuchel holding six mold that he's been going on and on about the last uh, week. So... Stranger things have happened. Yeah. I can understand why Ten Hag wants to get another former player in. Right. That's the, the scouting at United. Any player that's worked with Ten Hag. <laughs> Anyone from the early Vizio has worked with can Ten Hag. Can come in. Yeah. Apart from right. Kukurela. You know. Yeah. But um, for Bayern, it would be a strange move. Okay. What are they Bayern coming for Amrabat? Yeah, it's yeah, a good true. question. I think the biggest problem that Tuchel's had, despite having quite a lot of power this summer, is that Bayern are thinking... Do you really want a player that's just going to be a holding midfielder? How many games do we play when you need a guy who's yeah. just going to be you know, winning tackles and destroying the game? We have so much of the ball. We have possession all the time, even in Champions League, even against Man City. We have possession. Do you, need, do you really need that kind of player at the expense of somebody more versatile? So I think the club are kind of reluctant to spend big and they would have to spend fairly big on... Amrabatwa or anyone else for that matter. Alvaro, anything bubbling away in La Liga? I don't know what's going to happen in the last days because, uh, you know, um, many Spanish clubs are skint and they have to avoid uh, La Liga's financial fair play. But there is a player who has came on loan to La Liga uh, who is very exciting, actually. Yanis uh, Haji uh, on loan to Alaves. So let's see how the Romanian player does. But uh, it can be one of these uh, cult players in the future if he does a good season. Very possibly. Jules, anything else for you? David Sanchez. Remember Ooh. him from Spurs yeah, going yeah. to Rennes? I mean, Rennes, they got uh, Joe Rodon last, last season. On Matic. Matic has arrived from Roma, obviously, as we explained a bit last Senior week. Senior Matic. Senior Matic. And they're very happy with him. <laughs> he played really well the other night. Um, so, yeah, David Sanchez coming their way. Not sure to bring what, no. but, you know, I guess it's another body for yeah. them. He'll bring surprises, won't he? Bring the unexpected. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. If he was good at football, I would say yes, but, wow. you know. He's obviously pretty good, Jules. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Is he as Any good as Alexis early? Sanchez, a player that Inter paid to get rid of and is now brought back to yeah. the club? He's <laughs> sprightly 34 years of age. Yeah. Bless. Yeah. 
Well, of course, I mean, let's let's turn our thoughts quickly to Serie A. You talked about Romelu Lukaku mm-hmm. and your attempts to doorstep Roma's management. What do you make of this move? Because there's been a little bit of ambivalence, not so much from the Roma fans, but certainly from the press cynically, about whether this is actually a good idea. <laughs> I think some elements of the press are a bit fed up uh, with this story, even though it's helped them sell a lot of newspapers over this summer. Because, you know, certainly the the story of you know, Lukaku supposedly going to Inter and then it all, all falling flat was a big story. But I think last year was, for two-thirds of the season, was underwhelming um, because of the injury that he suffered, because of the World Cup in the middle, because he went like you know, seven or eight months without a goal from open play. Um, he did finish the season really strongly, but not strongly enough for Inzaghi to play him in the big games because... You know, in fairness to, to Inzaghi, you know, if you're without Lukaku for so long and the guy who's playing in his stead yeah. um, is scoring for you in big games, then I'm sorry, you just pick the guy who was, who was there for you. Um, so I think that's affected some of the, the perceptions of Lukaku in that. What, what do you think, though, James? Do you think it's going to work for him this time under Mourinho? Look, I mean, it's been presented as a show of ambition from Roma that they want to get back into the Champions League places for the first time in a long time. It's only going to be for one year. Uh, and I think, again, like I find it hard to get attached to players who are only going to be there for one year. But it's also Mourinho's last year. Mm. And so I think that the, the problem that Mourinho has got this season is are the last two years as good as it's going to get for him in Rome? Because to go to two finals, win a Conference League then reach the Europa League final and ultimately lose it. What else can he do that's going to be bigger and better than that? Mm. Um, and uh, and so this is there to kind of hide what has been a very disappointing start to the season uh, where they drew at home with Salernitana and they lost to Hellas Verona at the weekend. And the thing is, you can say, ah, this Roma team is limited, but they've got Paolo Dybala, they've got Lorenzo Pellegrini, they've got... Belotti, who, like Dybala, has scored more than 100 league goals in his career. Uh, he just went a season without scoring in yeah, the but league. He just but, again. But, again. Yeah. But, 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 he, I mean, you have to ask, with Belotti last year, yeah. he arrives injured, you know, he wants to kind of make an impression, perhaps overdoes it, hmm. and then loses confidence. You can kind of see, but he's a player who scored more than 100 goals hmm. in, in his career in Serie Dybala, equally... There is the injury issue with him. And again, we've seen this weekend him. I'm not sure how long he's likely to be out for beyond the international break. No, the, the club don't think it's um, a bad injury. Okay. And to be honest, he played far more than anyone expected to, him to do last season. Mm. And then they've got Lukaku, who was the league's MVP three years ago. And so it, it makes me ask the question, like, is top four, is it really this this kind of El Dorado, is it really that difficult to get into the top four with this amount yeah. of firepower? Mm. And Asmoon. And Asmoon, you've got Asmoon, Renato Sanchez. Awa, yeah, but I mean, he's already injured. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, Mourinho keeps saying, you know, these players would never come to, to our club right. if A, they'd had a good season last season. That's what he said about Asmoon, which is, you know, fantastic. And then B, if they didn't have injury problems. He's like, we have to take chances on these players. 
the reality is they have to take chances on these players is because they blew 100 million in this first summer without selling anyone and now they're under all these financial fair play constraints but I, I wonder like presenting like getting into the top four as though it's like winning a league title when you've got these players up front is that should you not be aspiring for more maybe like you know right yeah. well they're it's Joseph Mourinho I mean people expect him to win league titles and I know it's difficult at Roma but I think the club have really stretched themselves to the point that I, I thought this Lukaku deal was impossible to pull off, be it on wages and that sort of thing. And yet they've made this extra effort. Um, and, and so... It's going to be interesting. No, it's, yeah, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, the challenge for Jose really is, like, you know, after, after giving this impression the last two years of, like, doing far more with the hand that he was dealt than mm. most people thought he could do... Mm. Um, to, to, to what does this third year hold for him in terms of can he go out on a high because it doesn't look like he's going to sign a new contract at this moment in time and is finishing fourth a high yeah um, you know I it, it certainly wouldn't have been considered that three four five years ago I mean Rome used to always qualify for the Champions League under Palotta when Palotta was the owner you know it was they would finish second and okay the, the league has maybe got more competitive since then but the league is also being won by teams that aren't putting up the kind of points that Juventus were putting up when Palotta was the owner of Roma so fair point yeah. Roma currently down in 13th place they've got a huge game coming up on Friday oh, James it's Milan at the Olympico and yeah. what a Milan Milan are flying and there's a lot of skepticism about the scale of the change at the club you know with sort of 20 players coming and going players who are not signed in that kind of loop of just Serie A teams who are all broke swapping players um, and because of that journalists not knowing who these, some of these players are and also just like this feeling that actually considering the number of changes that they've made it's going to take some time for this team to actually come together Yeah, they've come together really quickly the team looks really well assembled scoring lots of goals um, and uh, at the moment they look like it's very early, but they look like the best team in the league, along with Napoli and Inter look very assured. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they're the three teams at the moment who look special. Okay. Napoli 2-0 winners over Sassuolo at the weekend. Inter's victory was away at Cagliari uh, on Monday evening. The same scoreline for them. 4-1 for Milan, a home to uh, Spigolozzo, traditionally uh, Torino. Yeah. Uh, the third goal is an absolute beauty. I don't know if you've seen it. It's uh, Teo Hernandez and Rafa Liao ah, doing Hernandez. And, yeah, the but it's the, it's the couple of nonchalant Liao layoffs before that that really make it so sumptuous. But the one that got the uh, the comms all excited was, of course, Captain America. Eccolo, Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic dentro per Loftus. Loftus, 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 Giro. Pulisic, come on, baby! Come on, baby! Come on, baby! USA! 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 Again! PDD again! Wow, so much fun pack from that. Loftus, 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 Loftus. But also, come on, baby. Mind you, there's probably on, there's probably a podcast in Italy so. where they play clips of us trying to pronounce it. <laughs> <Italian. laughs> well, yeah, when we uh, when we explain spiazze. Uh, Inzaghi's famous mm. saying on the goal show that did go viral. Oh, did that? Yeah. Okay, nice. Um, but that was Mauro Suma, who okay. is the commentator of Milan uh, TV, Milan mm. TV, and uh, I think he's 
He's really gone to town with this "come on, baby." Mm. I think because <laughs> not when, enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> because when Pulisic um, scored his first goal uh, for Milan in Bologna, I think Suma lip read him saying "come on, baby." Oh, nice! And he just l- likes this kind of joie de vivre that uh, mm. that Pulisic apparently shows, and so joie it's become vivre, a thing. It's, it's it's become a thing. It's good, man. I love it. Come on, baby. Come, come on, baby. baby. So Friday. That Milan will be taking on this Roma. Uh, Roma just got beaten by Verona. And uh, some one or two surprised. Look, Alvaro, you were stunned here that uh, Verona had beaten Roma. They're top of the league, uh, level with uh, some of the sides you just mentioned, Napoli, Milan, etc. Yeah. They've won their first two. Only the third time in their history that Verona won their opening two games of the City last season. Once, the most recent one, it was because one of them was given to them on a technicality. Roma had fielded an, an the eligible other. player. The other was when they won the league, James. When they won the league, it's happening. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, that won't be happening. But <laughs> I think, a lot of people would expect them to be down in the bottom three, but right now the bottom three looks well, like Lazio, Empoli and Sassuolo. Yeah, I mean, so with Verona, remember they were the team that won the first relegation playout in years in Serie A last year. So they went to a 39th game where they beat Spezia and Ngonga, who scored one of the goals against Roma, was the guy who won them that uh, won them that game. But down the bottom, Lazio have been a big disappointment. They were, I think, unlucky at the weekend against Lecce, who uh, like Verona. Against Genoa, no, this weekend. Against Genoa, yes. It was Lecce they, they lost to on the opening day. And Lecce, like Verona, one of the revelations. They've mm. picked up four points from six in addition to the Lazio uh, win that they had. Um, they came back from 2-0 down um, to draw 2-2 with Fiorentina um, on, on Sunday. And then Sassuolo uh, in this standoff with Domenico Berardi, mm. the, the kind of last of the bandiere, the, the <laughs> talismanic one-club figures. Oh. Um, because Berardi sort of realized in his late 20s, wow, I really should have gone to Juventus when I was like 21, shouldn't I? And like the train is passing me by now. I need to play Champions League or European football. And Sassuolo have said, look, we gave you a deadline, August 17th. Juventus didn't make an offer for you, so you're staying. And he's like, oh, really? Oh, come on, I've got to go. And so they've <laughs> left him out of their first two games. They've Tough lost games as well, Atalanta yeah. and... Uh, yeah, and to be honest, they played well against Atalanta. And uh, I mean, Napoli, what they, they had, uh, Maxime Lopez sent off. Two penalties given against them. But yeah, they're a different team with Berardi in it. So I don't expect Berardi to leave now, considering everything that they said. But yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why they are where they are. Mm. Juve's perfect start this season came to an end at the hands of Bologna at the weekend. Yeah, uh, Lewis Ferguson scoring uh, at the Allianz. Uh, lovely, lovely goal. Lovely yeah. goal. Mm. I, I Obviously, was at Bologna for the, the Milan game. I really like Zerxe, mm. uh, the, the centre-forward. He just is so good at bringing others into, into play. But Juventus were disappointing. It was um, particularly first half. They, were, they went backwards compared with how they played against Udinese last... Um, but, but, yeah, Vlajevic, who was supposed mm. to be going to Chelsea in this swap deal, Vlajevic has scored in back-to-back games, had goals disallowed in, in both games um, as well. And at least looks like you know he's maybe going to have a, a good season. Is Benucci going to find a club? 
think Union. Lazio, Union Berlin. Which, for, for, for me, whenever I think of Italian centre-backs moving to the Bundesliga, it brings us back to when we did EFS and all those links with Andrea Ranocchia to uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, this one is, is more genuine. Yeah. Um, I would love to have him. Bonucci, um, this is the last year of his career, uh, which is why he's having a real hard time processing that Juventus um, are unwilling to let him play out um, this final season at, at the club. Um, but he wants to play Champions League football. Union can, um, can give him that. Lazio um, can give him that uh, as well. So um, I imagine that's one of the things that will get sorted out. But I mean, it's become very bitter this uh, standoff between him and Juventus because you've had the the president of the Players Association come out and say what Juventus is doing is wrong. Juventus have then but what are they doing by marginalising, by basically saying but, you're out the squad, you have to train by yourself. Sorry, and uh, so they've said they've tried to make out that um, they're infringing on the rights of the player essentially. And then Juventus came out and said, look, well we've gone through the collective bargaining agreement with the players and. We stand by what we're doing. So, so there. And well, then there was even a re- that in, in yeah. the summer like that. You know, when then, then there was a report this week that Bonucci was even sort of considering legal action. Um, so, uh, you know, for someone who was and is seen as a symbol of the Juventus team that won the title nine years in a row, went to two Champions League finals, was part of one of the legendary defenses of Italian football history, the BBC. Um, for it to end like this, it's not entirely unexpected considering that. He left the club for Milan after falling out with Allegri a few yeah. years ago. But at the same time, you know, even Giorgio Chiellini said, I, I didn't expect uh, Leo to be treated like this. But yeah. this is a club that has no problem making unpopular decisions. Well, indeed. So, indeed. And Pogba is back. So, Pogba is back. Happy. Yeah, yeah, all right. So, and he had involved, a good impact. involved in the Juve's equaliser yeah. to Bologna. Yeah. Against yeah, Bologna, he's, so he's yeah. passed for Eileen Junior, who then crosses for Vlaovic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. Second assist. Uh, I think oh, it counts. I think Eileen does the hard work there. No, no it's a great cross. Pass, and he holds off the midfielder to keep the ball before passing yeah. to Eileen Junior. And I suppose Paul didn't foul someone in his own penalty area, mm. like Eileen yeah, did, like which Ealing was did, one of the controversial have, moments Thiago of the. Um, was there's a great post-match interview with Thiago Motta where he's asked about that incident. So this was Ealing Jr. bringing down... Endoy. Endoy. Um, and uh, brings him down and the ref doesn't isn't called to the monitor uh, and Bologna, chief executive afterwards, said it should have been a penalty and a sending off and we would have won the game. Mm. Uh, but Thiago Motta was interviewed and he was asked about it and he just... Um, he just stayed silent for 20 seconds <laughs> <laughs> and sort of made a number of face ge- facial gestures just like... <laughs> she really made the uh, the disowned interview. Great meme content. I mean, listeners yeah, can't, listeners can't yeah. see horny, but it's yeah, going to be hard gesture. for listeners to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you did well. You did well. Your first eye rolling, yeah. eyebrow raising, mm. sort of shrug, frown. <laughs> nice. Yeah, good. So uh, let's finish off today by hearing about the club that Bulleci could be turning out for Union Berlin and the rest of the crazy Bundesliga with Raphael Honigstein. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Round Zwei in the Bundesliga Rafa and die Harry Kane Mannschaft. FC Bayern to you. Saw off Augsburg. Uh, oh, you had uh, what else? Big wins for RB Leipzig, Union Berlin, and as you mentioned before, Bayer Leverkusen. Could they be? this season's big force in the title race, do you think? They certainly look it at the moment. They have really improved on last season where they were already pretty good, especially on the break, but now they're better in possession. They have more variety. They have depth, even though they let a couple of big players go, like Moussa Diaby, for example. In Victor Boniface, they've signed a top striker. He's been superb. Uh, Granit Xhaka, we talked about, real improvement. Jonas Hoffmann, we talked about, he's really good. And they still have so many players we even haven't mentioned, like Amin Adli, Florian Wirtz, who's going to be, I think, a big star of the Bundesliga this season. And yeah, they just look like a top side under Xabi Alonso. And they're playing Bayern in two weeks' time, or three weeks' time, in a big clash Friday night in Munich. So it looks as if they could be the team to really push could Bayern be a all key the way. Game, that. Well, key absolutely. Game. Yeah. All right, Bayern this weekend, a brace for Harry Kane. Brace for Harry Kane. He didn't touch the ball a lot. No. He was not really involved, but it doesn't really matter. And in a way, he's doing what Bayern really wanted him to do, which is he will score irrespective of what the game, what happens in the game. So it papers over a lot of cracks. I think both the Bayern supporters and neutrals weren't particularly impressed with the Bayern team. It was quite static, quite uh, controlled, but that was what Tuchel wanted. He wanted to emphasise the defensive stability, very sort of strict positional setup, no real fluidity, no real interchanging of position, but that was what he wanted. That's how Bayern played. And as a result, uh, victory was never really in doubt. Um, Started with an on goal from Urukai of um, Lord of the Rings fame. And then uh, there were goals from, as you said, from Harry Kane. And Bayern in the second half played a little bit better as Augsburg opened up. But a late goal from Augsburg robbed them of the uh, lead in the table because our friends from Union registered their second consecutive 4-1 win, this Mm. time away to to Darmstadt. And they're really flying in quite a literal sense because, again, three-headed goals as last week. Mm. So good from set pieces, this team. There you go. And uh, our friend Robin Gossens, Fresh from moving over from Inter with a brace on his starting debut. Played really, really well. Perfectly timed because Hansi Flick is in the audience. Nice. And Gorsens didn't have the best of games 
last time with Germany. And Rudy Fuller, many people thought, was referencing him obliquely when he said some players are just not good enough for this team. But on uh, Saturday's evidence, I think he'll be very much in the team in what September. What pot Union in? Is it pot four on Thursday's draw? Yeah. It's pot yeah. four, yeah. They mm. played, of course, in the uh, Europa League mm. last season, but there'll be a lot more teams with, with big pedigree. It's a bit of a shame that we will not see the full-on Union experience in Europe because they're moving over to Hertha's Olympic Stadium. Oh, no. For financial reasons, yeah. Um, I think UEFA would have actually allowed them to play, even though it's only 17,000 seats and not enough VIP spots, etc. But they decided for financial reasons to to move across. And to give you an idea, they're selling... They sold 40,000 um, sort of mini-season tickets for the three group stage games for their fans because they had so much uh, requests, as you can Im- imagine. And those sold out within an hour. It's going to be. It's still going to be great, even if... It should the, be pretty cool. Yeah. It should be pretty good. And right. they're playing really well. I mean, they are still quite robust. They're still quite direct. They're still quite vertical. But they can play with a football as well. And they have something very special brewing there. Okay. Who else is in the Champions League? RB Leipzig? RB Leipzig, they had Who a really good like game. A, a lot of fun this season. They got uh, uh, a 5-1 victory Friday against the Stuttgart. Yeah, they were 1-0 down. Mm-hmm. And um, then did what he did in Monaco. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. my God. Yeah, um, a, b- a big mistake from Alexander Nubel. Let in, open the doors for Leipzig, but then they played really well. They destroyed them. Xavi yeah. Simons had another really superb game. Luis Openda looks really good. Already a big factor. Yeah, it's be um, I keep coming back to this, but for a team that has lost Nkunku, Gvardiol, Soboslai, and Connie Lima, talismanic midfielder, it's incredible how good they already look mm. with some of the new players that they've brought in. I'd see if it can last. Dortmund not looking so good. They also lost a player, of course. And they lost a player, and, you know, as the uh, shirt number famously alludes to maybe three players because he's so much more than just one player Jude Bellingham and this was really an an occasion where they could have done with his energy with his control on the ball he's very pressing resistant and Dortmund weren't any of that and they lumped a lot of balls up front and looked actually really bad Mm. They were held 1-1 by Bochum, who, to put things in perspective, had previously been done, was it 5-0 by Stuttgart? Yeah, they looked... Who Leipzig beat 5. Yeah, correct. So, so Bochum looked like the worst team in the Bundesliga last right. season, last week. And for them to repeat that 1-1 draw that they had just a few months ago when they hosted Dortmund, which was a one of those results that really hurt Dortmund in the run-in run for the title race... They did it again, but this time they were even more unlucky not to win it because mm. they had 20 shots on goal. Wow. Dortmund only kind of woke up in the second half, completely slept through the first half, and yeah, just looked so pedestrian, so uninspired. And because this comes on the back of a really flattering 1-0 win against Cologne, where they scored in the last minute last week, even though it's four points on the table, this big sort of question marks about where this team is going at the moment because their football has been really awful crisis club well well it's not quite at that stage yet but uh, the question marks are becoming Mm. bigger bigger and bigger 
Excellent. Good. Anything else, fellas, before we yeah, put this? Yeah, I just want to yes. tell listeners that as we're recording, oh. Bayern Munich have released a long-awaited photo of Harry Kane wearing Lederhosen. Hey. Oh, so if that, yeah. and I know this is the sort of thing that you really like, James. <laughs> Man in, in, in fitting leather, leather. trousers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's worth checking out. Right. No, for sure. I'm going to do that just after I check out Thiago Motta's... Uh, non-interview pretty nice we'll be back on Tuesday be nice if you're all here again uh, listen I do hope you'll be joining us for that before that of course Thursday morning we'll be previewing the Premier League weekend and then Jules will be dropping some Champions League group stage draw yeah. knowledge some magic grabbing mm. some balls grabbing some hot balls yeah indeed Thanks so much, as I say, to everyone for being in. Producer Charlie as well. You listener, have a great time till we speak to you next. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.